0: Welcome back, party people, to the place everybody wants to be. You know it. You'll love it. It is, of course, Victory Lane, the Sterling Marlin edition of this fine program. Shout out to Positive Regression, David Smith and Alan Kavana. As they say, guys, you know, imitation is the, is the sincerest form of flattery. That's what they say, right? Well, on that wonderful podcast, which you can get wherever you get your podcast, as well as this one, they always open their show by saying, welcome to Positive Regression. This is episode so-and-so, the blank-blank edition. And I think that was kind of a cool twist that they have on things. So I, I think on episode 29, I said that it was the OG Kevin Harvick edition because obvious reasons. So this is the Sterling Marlin edition. I always remember that Coors Light silver bullet paint scheme that he drove. It was badass. And also, Jamie McMurray, That's that's kind of my first memory of that car. Was Jamie McMurray winning in that thing at Charlotte, filling in for an injured Sterling Marlin? I think that was in 2002 at Charlotte. So, anyways, I digress. We got a big show for you guys today. Haley Deegan on the program. Been talking every now and then in the offseason with her, but figured we'd hop on the phone and chat about everything going on in these last few months because she has been a very, very busy girl. She did not disappoint. As always, she's a great interview, great person to talk to, and privileged to call her a friend in this business. So as before we get started, um, let's start out this episode how we start out all of our episodes. You want to do it with me? Okay. Three, two, one. Oregon! By the way, I'm actually recording this in the NBC Sports Washington podcast studio. So if it sounds a little different, that's why. Probably sounds better, to be honest. So thank you to NBC Sports Washington. Shout out to my other job for letting me use this podcast studio because it's February 5th and nothing's going on tonight. So I I tease it with the last episode. There was a you-know-what ton of stuff going on this offseason when it comes to silly season. Drivers moving here, drivers moving there, crew chiefs, spotters, sponsor announcements, the whole nine yards. People leaving, people coming, people going. And I know what you're thinking. All this happened forever ago. Like, why are you telling me this now? Well, you know what I wrote in my notes? Because I love you guys. That's why I want to give you guys the rundown on everything that happened. And frankly, if you're a diehard NASCAR fan, first of all, thank you for listening to this. Second of all, you may have forgotten all the stuff that's happened. And if you're not a diehard NASCAR fan, thank you for listening. You're probably one of my friends. Um, Not that you NASCAR people are not my friends because you are, but you know what I mean. You probably don't even know what's going on, but you might recognize some of these names once I run it through you. So I'm going to start with the top and go down to the bottom. Not necessarily of importance, but kind of chronological order how it happened. I kind of just wrote it all down in my notes here. So the biggest story of the offseason by far, Jimmy Johnson, the seven-time champion, the GOAT, greatest of all time. I've said it before. I'll say it again. He is calling it a career after the 2020 season. He announced it in November at Hendrick Motorsports with his boss man, Mr. Rick Hendrick, alongside him on stage. It was a pretty interesting day to say the least. I mean, it wasn't a shock by any means. I I think it maybe was a little bit of a surprise just because we kind of thought Jimmy was in the mindset of, you know, I'm here for the long haul. I'm ready to do this. I'm ready to get back on the horse. I'm ready to get back to victory lane. I want to know what that feels like again. But he decided to make that announcement and call it quits full time after this season. But he was very poignant to make sure that everybody understood that he was retiring from full-time cup competition. That means that he still left the door open for some part-time stuff, whether it's cup, Xfinity, trucks, late models, pro trucks, dirt, IndyCar, although his wife Sandra probably won't allow that, Formula 1, same thing. Um but basically what he was getting at is he's tired of the grind. He wants to be there for his kids as they grow up and get a little bit older. We know he's obviously a very very big family man. He has a house in Aspen where he goes with his family and vacations in the offseason and on the off weekends. He wants to just spend a little bit more time with his family. And I think seven championships, that takes a lot out of you. Um, 80-something wins. What is it, 86 wins? Something like that. That takes a lot out of you. So 2020 is going to be it for him on the full-time side of things, and he's going to call it quits after that. And then Cole Pern shocks the world and I mean the world, and steps away from NASCAR as Martin Truex Jr.'s championship-winning crew chief. He announced this on December 9th. Nobody saw it coming. I was in the middle of the Pacific Ocean on a cruise, and I just got on my limited Wi-Fi minutes, and I saw Cole Pern is leaving NASCAR. I was like, what? Is this some fake news thing? But no, it was, it was for real. James Small is the new man, the head honcho at the number 19 team. He was pretty much the same thing. He wants to see his kids grow up. He's on the record as saying he didn't really love living in North Carolina. He's a Canadian. He's an outdoors guy. Denver, Colorado, and Furniture Row Racing. That was a perfect place for him and his family. They didn't thoroughly enjoy their time in North Carolina. He didn't thoroughly enjoy being gone all the time, which you are. And besides traveling on the weekends, I mean, you're basically not even home. Because as a crew chief, I mean, you are working long, long days. I'm not talking nine to five. I'm talking seven or eight to seven or eight. Like you're working dog days, 12 hour days, crunching numbers, working on setups, developing relationships, trying all these different things. And Cole Purchase said, you know what? I'm at peace with my decision. I've had enough. And then we found out a little bit later that he bought a ski resort. (laughs) So I guess if I ever go out to Canada, Western Canada, that is, I might Hit up Cole Pern and be like, hey, I've never been skiing. You want to watch me fall flat on my face? So that'll be fun. Daniel Suarez this past week announced that he will be back in the Cup Series with Gaunt Brothers Racing in the number 96 full time. The first time that that team will be running a full schedule in the Cup Series. He's going to have primary sponsorship from Coca-Cola as well as another heiress company. Now, the thing is, a lot of people are saying, oh, why didn't he go down to Xfinity and Try to compete and uh, contend for another championship and win races, or why didn't he do a limited truck schedule, or why didn't he do this? Why didn't he do that? It's pretty simple. Everything that we've seen says that his sponsors, aka the money, wants him in Cup. So what are you going to tell your sponsors? Hey, nah, I don't really, I'm not really feeling it. I'd rather compete for Xfinity. You know what they're going to say? Okay, that's fine. We'll take our money elsewhere. No, you go where your sponsors want you to go, and. I'll be frank, I don't think this is a great move for him. I hope that he's able to salvage something out of it this season and possibly with a big free agent market next season, he's able to get in a better ride, a top-tier ride. But the Gaunt brothers' uh, family, they've basically said that Toyota is giving them a lot of support, and they are working day and night feverishly, furiously trying to get all their race cars prepared, all their inventory prepared, all their team, all their crew, everything that goes into running a full-time cup schedule prepared. So we'll see if they're able to do that well. John Hunter Nemechek, he's going to be in the number 38 car for Front Row Motorsports full-time this season. Kind of saw that coming as he had a limited amount of starts last year as Matt Tift was uh, dealing with some ailments from his seizures, and we'll get to that a little bit later. Landon Castle, he got the boot from the Double Zero with Starcom Racing. Quinn Hoff, or Huff, I don't know how to pronounce it. I'm going to say Quinn Hoff. He's going to be full-time for them and still kind of to be determined on Landon Castle's plans. Hopefully he finds something because he's a damn good driver and an even better person, so hopefully somebody can scoop him up. Joey Gase is going to drive for Rick Ware Racing. That's so hard to say. In Cup, I believe that is full-time as well. He was with Go Green Racing in Xfinity. Also, I didn't know that there was an Xfinity team called Go Green Racing. Where are my Spartans at, huh? Go Green! You gave me a Go White. I know you did. J.J. Yaley will also drive for Rick Ware Racing. Why is that so hard to say? Rick Ware Racing and Richard Childress Racing are so damn hard to say. J.J. Yaley will drive full-time for them, too. He was previously part-time with them, pretty much starting in parking. Timmy Hill, or as Brett Griffin says, Timmy Hill, he will drive the number 66 car in the Cup Series. He was in a, a multitude of rides for Xfinity and Trucks last year. Add Brennan Poole. To the star studded rookie class in Cup this year. He'll be full time in the number 15 premium motorsports Chevrolet. David Reagan, we know that he was retiring from full time Cup competition at the end of last year, but he will run the Daytona 500. Christian Coley of Front Stretch had that scoop at Homestead and he confirmed it. David Reagan did earlier this offseason and he'll be done for at least a, a little while as we think. And I, I mentioned Matt Tift, he shared an offseason update on his seizures. It's really not that good. Um, He said that he suffered one, uh, an anxiety-ridden one, when he was on his honeymoon with his wife. And his goal still remains to come back to racing, but I think he's got to focus on his health first and foremost, which I know that he is. Um, But it's just sad to see because just kind of like Landon, he's a good driver, but, man, he is a really, really nice, cool dude. So all the best to him. Crew chief swaps slash changes. Justin Alexander he was the crew chief of the Xfinity Series 21 car, and he's now going to be Austin Dillon's crew chief and Cup. I believe they have an entire new team on the three team and RCR in general. Um, I heard that they basically have cleaned house in pretty much almost every single department. So if you notice that there's an uptick in their performance or a downtick for a sustained period of time, that's probably the reason why. Jerry Baxter, he was the crew chief of Brett Moffat in the Truck Series, and he will now be reunited with Bubba Wallace in the Cup Series. They had some success together while Bubba was driving for Kyle Busch Motorsports in the Truck Series. Mike Bugaravich is switching from Clint Boyer to Eric Almarola at stewart Haas Racing, which means Johnny Klossmeyer is switching from Almarola to Boyer. So it's basically just a crew chief swap between the 10 and the 14. And another crew chief swap, threesome-wise, Happened over at Team Penske. This is a big story, I believe. All crew chiefs, Jeremy Bollins, Paul Wolf, and Todd Gordon, they are switching teams. So Keselowski had Paul Wolf. He now has Jeremy Bollins. Joey Logano had Todd Gordon. He now gets the championship winning crew chief, Paul Wolf. And Ryan Blaney goes from Jeremy Bollins to an upgrade in Todd Gordon. That's big time. And I think. If if you want to kind of power rank them, I would probably say Logano got the best end of the stick because Paul Wolf still is a an absolute chief strategist in the Cup Series. Blaney got a really, really nice deal with Todd Gordon because he, I, I want to say, David Smith's Motorsports Analytics site, and I've only heard it through the podcast, shows that I think he gained Joey Logano a ton of green flag positions or or, or positions during green flag pit stops, but I might have that wrong. But regardless, like Todd Gordon is a damn good crew chief. And Jeremy Bowlands, he's not a bad crew chief by any means. Heck, he's really good. But Penske just has an embarrassment of riches over there. So I think if, if you want to give somebody the short end of the stick, you probably have to look at Brad Keselowski. And I find that a little bit interesting because he's in a contract year. His contract is up after the 2020 season. So if you're Roger Penske, you're basically, without saying it verbatim, you're pairing Brad Keselowski, your veteran driver, your champion driver, with the crew chief that has had the least amount of success and has shown the least amount of ability to do things. And I, and I think going back to that green flag stat, I want to say Jeremy Bones was towards the bottom of that list. So we'll see if Brad Keselowski can make up for lost time there. Luke Lambert is moving from Daniel Hemrick to Chris Busher. that's RCR to RFR, and Randall Burnett will move up with Tyler Reddick to crew chief him in the eight car. Brian Paddy is going to the number 47 car with Ricky Stenhouse Jr., 37 at JTG is Ryan Priest. Jason Ratcliffe is going to crew chief the 95 Levine Family Racing Toyota driven by Christopher Bell. They were paired together in Xfinity for the past couple years. Same with Mike Shiplett and Cole Custer. He is to the 41. See, I wrote double zero in my notes because that's just going to take some getting used to. Cole Custer in the 41. Ryan Sparks, he's going to replace Randy Cox in the 32 car at Go Fast Racing. Corey LaJoy is back there for another year. Brandon Brown moving down to Xfinity, or he's not moving down. I'm moving down. Brandon Brown is going to switch numbers from the 86 car to the 68 at Brandon Milton Motorsports. (laughs) find that kind of funny. Brandon Brown, maybe I'll get him in NBC Sports Washington Studios because I know he's a a Virginia guy and he's a big, big big-time Caps fan. Joe Graff Jr. went from part-time Xfinity at RCR last year to full-time at SS Greenlight Racing this year in the number 08 car. Daniel Hamrick, as we kind of mentioned last year, is going to do a part-time Xfinity deal for Junior Motorsports. Riley Herbst and Harrison Burton are full-time Xfinity for Joe Gibbs. Colby Howard is going to drive for JD Motorsports in Xfinity. Jesse Little is doing the same, part-time, I believe. Joss Williams is in the 92 for DGM. He was the number 36. Uh, Tommy Joe Martins is going to be in the 44 Martins Motorsports car, driving for himself, I believe, full-time. That's pretty cool. He's killing the game. Andy Sice is starting his own new team with Our Motorsports in the number 02. He's a modified guy who hopefully should do well in Xfinity. Um, moving down to trucks now, there's a new playoff structure that got implemented for the truck series. So they're going to go from eight drivers in the playoff field to 10. And that means they're going to go from eight to, or 10 to 8 at the first elimination and then from 8 to 4. I'm not a fan of this move because I thought that it was a pretty solid number where it was, but I kind of get why, just because it was one of those things where you got to make your sponsors happy, your partners happy. And I think Brett Griffin said it today on uh, Door Bumper Clear, you know, are, are you calling this the Kyle Busch Motorsports rule? Because their two drivers did not get into the playoffs. I don't know, but um, it just seems a little bit fishy to me. Tyler Anker moving over to GMS Racing. believe we touched on that before the offseason ended, as well as Rafael Lasard and Christian Eckes to Kyle Busch Motorsports. Tate Fogelman is going to drive the O2 truck for Young's Motorsports. Todd Gilliland found a home. Front Row Motorsports in trucks with an alliance with DGR Crosley. Derek Kraus to BMR in trucks broken. The story broken by yours truly. And I, I need to figure out how to say the last name of the new team that is in trucks for BMR. It's Bill McAnally racing with Higelman or Hilgeman. I'm not exactly sure, but there's a partnership there. Ty Majeski is running part time for Nice Motorsports, excuse me, full time, I should say, in Mraz Chastain's old ride. That'll be the 45 truck. Angela Ruck, she's going to drive the double zero for the Rayum brothers. Zane Smith also will be driving for GMS in the trucks. And look, I think I've given you enough information, huh? That's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, a little, a thousand different lines of information when it comes to silly season. That enough for you? Sheesh. I figured I'd catch you up to speed on some stuff. Who said NASCAR has an off-season? I mean, goodness gracious, it appears not. You want any evidence? Look no further. That was, I don't know how many minutes that was, but that was a lot of movement. Interview time! With Haley Deegan, DGR, Crosley, Arca Menard Series competitor. It took everything in my being to not type KM Pro Series West driver for Bill McAnally Racing. <laughs> it's just going to take some getting used to, but obviously she... Switch manufacturers this offseason, that was one of the big, big stories um, that went on. We caught up late last week for about a half hour in a wide-ranging in a conversation, talked to pretty much everything under the sun about the last couple of weeks, the relief of the announcement finally being out there when she couldn't hide it anymore, and actually came together pretty late, why IMSA being part of the deal is important to her, not rushing this whole process in terms of moving up the ladder in NASCAR, and I was curious kind of where that mindset came from for her, the success that she's enjoyed so far, the success that she wants to have moving forward, and of course, much, much more. Hopefully, the first of many times we'll have her on this season and this podcast in general. Hope you enjoy our conversation as much as I did. It's been a minute, but glad to talk to you again. The offseason has come and gone, and like we are just talking off mic, it seems like it's been, what, only two weeks, and now we're going to be back at Daytona. It's crazy. Time flies.
1: Oh, my God. I've been feeling like I've lived the last two months of my life at Daytona. I know where everything <laughs> is down there. I got my grocery store I go to. Mm-hmm. I got the vitamin shop GNC right there that I go to. I got Chipotle. It's perfect.
0: <laughs> I thought you were a Cava girl now.
1: I am, but they don't got that inside uh, in Daytona. Daytona's a little, um. I, what, how do you call it, behind the times a little bit? Wait,
0: you're saying that <laughs> they have a Chipotle in the track? It's
1: it's legit a quarter mile
0: away. Like I can walk over there. Oh wow! All right, that that might be yeah. a game changer. Good to know.
1: It is a game changer. <laughs> well, well,
0: I'll be down there this Thursday, uh, covering you and everything going on with you and your new team. I mean, there there's so much to talk about because I mean we've talked through the off season, but we haven't really gotten a chance to sit down, talk on the phone like this about all that's gone on. So I mean, w- what have the last couple weeks, couple months been like for you? I mean, you've been doing a ton of media, which you're used to. But there's just been a lot of positivity surrounding you and just your career and what's going on on the track right now. It must be a whirlwind for you.
1: Yeah, it's been so much fun. This is exactly what I love to do, um, what I have fun with. It's It's been a training process, trying to just be the best I can uh, possible, trying to get as much seat time as I can, learn as much as I can. I've really, I've tried this year to kind of put my focus to, okay, this is a really critical year in my development before we kind of move on to the higher level series, mm-hmm. like the top three level series. And I know this is where I'm going to be learning a ton. I'm surrounded by a bunch of great people right now, a bunch of supportive people. So it's been going really good. I think that the IMSA racing has helped me a ton. I feel like just, um, I did the test there, a three-day roar te- It's called the roar test yep. um, in the IMSA series. And I felt like just in those three days, my road course skills have gotten so much better. But we had the race there. I gained a lot of experience. The thing that was different is, racing without spotters but obvious and you can have spotters in the IMSA series right so i ended up putting up my dad up in the spotter stand at daytona and he spotted me there <laughs> um just kind of telling me like hey like oh you're clear by like 15 car lengths like go wherever you want type deal yeah. but that's a totally different form of racing and uh, especially since you use a lot of the big track there um you had to practice not necessarily it was more like driving out of your mirror and so I think that was something without really people having spotters because no one else really had a, a spotters. Uh, maybe a few people did, but being able to do those things by yourself, you're mo- you're the one that's the that's kind of initiating everything. Um, kind of, it's you're not having someone tell you.
0: Yeah, it seems like you're just kind of more in control in, in that type of racing specifically.
1: Mm-hmm,
0: 110%. And I find it interesting what you said there about kind of driving with your rearview mirror because that's what Kyle Busch said. He obviously did did the Rolex 24-hour race, but since he was in a different class that was not the DPI, he was not the fastest cars on the track, so it was an adjustment for him to be mirror driving pretty much the whole time. So I find that interesting because especially you with your background from off-road and dirt racing, it's all what's at the windshield, and it's all forward-focused, but It seems like with the BMW Endurance Challenge, you were kind of mirror driving. That must have been one of the many adjustments that you had to get used to.
1: Yeah, and uh, I for sure agree. And I know that he was in the slower class um, with all the other cars. And so in my class, we were the faster cars. Yeah. So it was a little sketchy because that's when you get the slower guys that kind of, they don't really have spotters, so they kind of just jump out in front of you. So you have to race really smart. You have to kind of make your decisions based on okay like what's this person thinking Mm -hmm. not just what you're trying to do
0: right Um, that totally makes sense uh while we're on the topic of IMSA we'll kind of jump all over here because I want to get to DGR and the stock car side of things but when you when your announcement came down um the IMSA part of it it seemed like that was something that uh people from the outside didn't really see coming per se but I think once it was out there Everybody was receptive to it, from fans to competitors, media, especially you. Why was including some IMSA races this year important to you specifically for your growth this year? Because we've seen Ford do it in the past with Chase Briscoe, who you were teammates with. But it seems like it's going to be a really important step in your development for this year specifically.
1: Yeah, so the IMSA series deal, it it wasn't a part of the plan when we were kind of figuring everything out um, towards the end of last year. And then Ford came to me and was like, hey, we want to put you in our IMSA car. Uh, we did it with Briscoe, Cindric, I know Custer did a race or two or so. Mm-hmm. Um, but ended up, and you see when you go the road courses, those guys should really shine. That's kind of uh, where they stand out. And it's hard to stand out in the NASCAR world. So when you can do that, it helps so much with when it comes to driving. Uh, there's obviously ways you can stand out off the track, but, after doing the first IMSA race, I just saw how much of a better driver it made me, and how much uh, skill sets it gave me. Different kind of tools in my uh, my kind of like tool chest, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And so, I think that being able to do that, and given the opportunity to do that, it's it's just gonna help me a ton.
0: And it seems like one of those things where, and again, we'll get to it. But part of the reason why you made this move to Ford from Toyota was because one, the space, but two, Ford is able to give you these types of opportunities that Toyota hasn't seemed to give their drivers in the past. And it's unique because you're one of the only drivers, development drivers, young drivers, that is able to have this type of experience at the age that you're at right now before moving up to the upper echelons of stock car racing. And I feel like Ford, and I'm sure they've had these conversations with you, they think that putting you in different types of race cars, whether that be an IMSA car, whether that be running dirt or whether that be ARCA truck, what have you, that's going to make you a better driver overall. And, I mean, I know you, you like to race whenever you possibly can, so it's a win-win.
1: Exactly. And I think every manufacturer has their own thing, their own way of doing things. And being over at Ford, it's just they have a different perspective than a lot of the other manufacturers, and it's a lot of focus. That's what I like is everyone's super involved um, from the higher – uh, hire people pop for it. Everyone comes with the races, watches you race, supports you, uh, constantly trying to help. And with the IMSA stuff, it's a lot of data. Um, and you can have data there, which you can't really have a ton in the ARCA series mm-hmm. except for um, the kind of test days. But having all those resources to learn off of, because when I first got in the IMSA car, I was like, I have no clue what I'm doing. I'm not a road course racer. Uh, I've never used ABS traction control paddle <laughs> shifters. So It was all new to me. Yeah. And especially having Briscoe as a teammate, he went through the same thing that I did. So he understood what I was going through and what help I needed. And having the data, it's not necessarily like, okay, someone's seeing, well, you're a little slower here, you're slower here and stuff. It's actually you get in depth and see, okay, well, he's on the gas a little bit harder here, but you're driving it in deeper, but he's getting more time off the corners. And so having those resources available is just it's crucial to your development.
0: I think you're also pretty glad that it didn't rain during your race.
1: Oh, my God. I was so glad. So we had that roar <laughs> test. It was a three-day test. Yeah. By the end of the test, I was like, okay, like, I got a grasp of this enough to know, like, what I'm doing yep. uh, on the road course now. And then all of a sudden, we go to the race, the actual, um, the like, a, I think it was, like, two weeks later, mm-hmm. um, the big race at Daytona. And all of a sudden, it starts raining during practice, and there's not much practice. Um, before the race because most people were at the test and got all the information they needed and then all of a sudden i get thrown out in the rain, and i was (laughs) like wow i'm just rebase planning right now
0: (laughs) well now you know what it's like for all the asphalt guys that race on dirt when you were kicking their butts that's how they felt
1: yeah (laughs) and i know that the the dirt track is not your typical dirt track, but still, yeah. having that type of background, it definitely helped me a ton. So I'm looking forward to the two arc races that are dirt races. Oh,
0: yeah, for sure. Well, I, I know that when I saw the schedule, I thought of you right away. I said, she's going to be so oh, no, I'm pumped. <laughs> uh, so you mentioned, I mean, it, it was a lot about attention being paid to you uh, when we're talking about the move from Toyota to Ford and DGR specifically. That is a big factor nowadays. And I think, you know, from the outside, people might look at it and say, oh, she just wants attention. But that's not that's not at all what this was about. This is about putting you in the right position long-term moving forward. And it was one of those things where it's kind of a a double part of question, but it was one of those things where Toyota had space, but they didn't have enough. Ford had space. It's almost like they had too much. So it was kind of like a no brainer in the sense of, all right, if I go here, I get to have all these new experiences, all these new opportunities. Plus I'll have all this attention placed on me. And that way I'll be put in a better position to succeed moving forward. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, and I think with the attention game, whether it's from your team or uh kind of the media side, that's always a hard battle. It always has its pros and cons and especially with the stage I'm at in my career right now, like people I feel like people are getting a little ahead of themselves mm-hmm. in a sense, where they start expecting more out of me than what I've learned. And then you have to keep in mind like I race I'm gonna be racing ARCA. Like I'm not racing cup, I don't know everything that all these other Amazing drivers at those high levels. No, yep. I'm still learning. I'm still, I'm still at the kind of bottom of the food chain when it comes to that. So I'm, I'm trying to make my way up, learn as much as possible. I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna make mistakes, and my driving's not perfect, but I'm here to learn. And I'm racing this series because I need to learn so I can eventually move on to those higher levels. But also, when it comes with the attention spotlight, uh, the media, it helps with sponsors too. So that's kind of the pro side of it because I'm, a, I'm. Um uh, everyone, every driver has their own way of getting to the racetrack, of their own way of being in a seat, and whether it's wherever the money comes from, whether it's a business they own, a family business, going through sponsors. And I'm on the side of, okay, I'm funded by sponsors 110%. I have to go, I have to race to get sponsors. I have to win to get sponsors, and that's what covers my racing. And so on that note, it helps when you get that attention because sponsors want the driver who is in the media, in the, in the spotlight.
0: I have this picture pulled up that you reposted yesterday from Gary Vee. It says, you're not lost, you're just early in the process. And I think mm-hmm. that was, that's kind of what you were alluding to right there in the sense of there's a lot of people nowadays, especially within the NASCAR ranks, that they are 16, 17, 18, 19 years old and they want to go straight to cup and straight to trucks and, and win races and get in the best seat now. And then they kind of flame out because they, they frankly have rushed some things. And it seems like you got a good head on your shoulders, and I, and I know this from having conversations with not only you, but your dad, Brian, your mom, uh, and everybody involved in your career. I mean, you are you are not rushing this thing by any means. In fact, you want to take it slow.
1: Mm-hmm. And that's something that's been a goal of mine is don't move somewhere to where you're not ready, when you're not ready. Mm-hmm. And I know that if you can't really do that at the level you're at and then you move up, it's just going to be a hard challenge because you go up to these higher levels and – not, I know I haven't raced at a higher level, so I don't know fully, but looking from the outside in, it it's, it looks hard. It's difficult. You see all these drivers, these new kids come up. They expect, like, your first time racing tracks, you, to expect you to go out there and be battling and beating Matt Crafton and Johnny Sauter when those guys have been there for so long and have so much knowledge of it. Yeah. And so you have, to, you have to make sure you have enough skill sets and knowledge to go there and be competitive off the bat.
0: Yeah, it's just not going to happen that easy, and I think a lot of people overlook that because the, the, they'll see the talent and the equipment that the certain drivers in, and they'll say, oh, he can do that, she can do that, and it's not that simple. I mean, we know that from personal experience. Um, talking about Toyota specifically, w- what if some of your, I guess now, former Toyota teammates, specifically Derek Krause, because I know you work closely with him in K&N, what have some of your former Toyota teammates kind of said to you about the move when it happened and um, the communication that you've had with them since? Because I know you've got, you got close relationships with them.
1: Yeah, I mean, that was more like everyone that I knew on that side of things. And I've never really had a giant group of friends that I've been close with that I hung out with a ton. Mm-hmm. It was more like, okay, we're teammates on the track, so we'll hang out there. And so I've been honestly on my own program right now, of just being focused on my racing, and training myself and not really worrying about my surroundings, just kind of head down, focusing, uh, trying to get as much done as I can.
0: Yeah, totally makes sense. And I know this one, it might be a little bit of a tough question, but I, I'm just <laughs> okay. really curious. I mean, is there a part of you at all or was there a part of you, because I get this is in the past now, that thinks, you know, well, if they really wanted to, they could find space for me and they could do what they needed to if they really wanted to keep me, talking about Toyota. I mean, like, is there is there any part of you that thinks that way?
1: I mean, there's always, I'm an overthinker on everything. I overthink every single thing. I make up scenarios in my head before they even happen. (laughs) And I've always been like that. That's just my personality. Mm -hmm. But when it comes down to it, everything that I do is for my career. And I do it to better my career, to to give me the best future possible. And I know it's going to be a long road. And I know that I want people behind me that are going to, be there for the long run. And sometimes you can get caught up in that with the NASCAR world is people will sometimes be there for the short run and kind of seem like there's, there's just a short run deal when you, in reality, what I need is long-term deals. Mm-hmm. I need long-term commitment because right. I'm making a long-term life commitment over here. So I need someone who's willing to make the same commitment with me. And so on the board side, there's just not many drivers over there. And so there's so much room For the attention to be on me, not like media spotlight attention, but the attention of focus of, okay, let's help her develop to be this next big thing when that's what I want. So I hope someone else is on that side of the same deal.
0: Again, I mean, I know we've kind of had this conversation before, but it's, it's amazing to me, you know, and you got a great support team behind you, but you're 18 years old and you're thinking very, very maturely and like somebody who's been in this sport for for decades upon decades so I mean it's I mean I know I've told it to you before but whatever you're doing keep doing it because it's working um and I could I just want to circle back to the announcement itself I want to go back to a story I think we were at Phoenix and uh I saw you walking around in the garage you just got to the track and as a joke I said Haley what do you do next year and you kind of gave me the, one of those playful not so playful I should say punches on the arm because those hurt by the <laughs> way yeah
1: um, my punches on the. That's how you know when I'm close to someone. If I hit you, then we're close. Yeah,
0: I, you don't hit me. You like that's a punch. Like I like uh, I'm
1: sorry. Well, when you when you when you box for fun, it kind of it gets a little heavy. Uh, I know. Sometimes. I want to
0: I want <laughs> get out to California and go to one of these workout classes with you so you could kick my butt oh. and I could probably lose like 10 pounds in 2 hours. That would be good. Um
1: oh, yeah, that's the problem my mom trying to yeah. cut some weight.
0: Yeah. Um but the announcement itself, um how much of a relief was it that it was out there, and nobody had to, you didn't have to answer these questions from anybody saying, just wait and see, or I don't know yet, because literally, for the last, I don't know, two months of the K N West season last year, everybody was asking you, what are you doing for next year? And then they ask me, what is Haley doing for next year? And I say, I told you, I don't know. And I could tell that you were getting super frustrated and annoyed about it, because one, at at certain points, you frankly didn't know. And two, when you did know, you just couldn't say anything. So how much of of a relief was it to get it all out there and just say, everybody, this is the plan, and I'm really excited about it.
1: It's actually funny because a lot of people thought I had this deal, my deal for this next year, a couple years done really early, but I didn't. I I think it was the Friday before my announcement. I know my announcement was early in the week. I think is that Friday is when I had the deal done, and I was like, okay, now I know what I'm doing because, honestly, I didn't know what I was doing. I was kind of weighing out Mm. every single option I had and – Uh, What was going to be the best path for me? And I did have a few options on the table. It was just a matter of, okay, what is going to be the best long-term? What can we find enough sponsorship for to make this happen on a long-term basis?
0: I also find this interesting because people just assume, you know, you're one of the only female race car drivers. Um, You come from a racing family. You have a lot of media surrounding you. You have a lot of social media following. And they assume that sponsors are chomping at the bit to get a part of you. And that could not be further from the truth. So can you kind of dispel this narrative around you for some people that say, oh, she has all this sponsorship and financial backing behind her? Because I know that's not the case.
1: Yeah, and it's, it's actually funny because I'm now starting to come out with it, saying that like, hey, and at the end of the day, every driver struggles with sponsorship. Oh, yeah. The sport's at a part uh, an era right now of, okay, it's a pay-to-play game, so you need the resources behind you to do that wherever they come from. And so I think everyone's struggling with it and I think people almost try to separate me because I'm a girl or maybe I have followers or whatever it is, the reason why they try to separate me to think it's easy and it's never gonna be easy for no. any driver. It's always a challenge. It's always it's always something you're working for, I'm constantly making phone calls all day, doing deals, trying to I sit on my phone, people are like, Oh my gosh, she's just like doing instagram stories and stuff but like yeah i am okay like i scroll through social media but that's part but of I'm it you know that's part yeah, of it exactly but i'm out there i'm sending sponsorship sponsorship proposals every single day to new businesses i literally max because you can only you can only send so many direct messages a day i don't know why instagram limits <laughs> it or something so i literally maxed out my direct messages every single day sending new sponsorship proposals to different businesses. And that's something that I've always, I've always done the past couple of years, but now that I'm verified, I have more followers, people actually answer them. <laughs> so it helps. And so I will, GM sponsors my kind of paragraph um, overview of my life and what my plans are. And then all of a sudden they'll say, okay, uh, we want to talk about it. like, let's try to figure something out. They give me an email and I send it to my manager. And so that's a constant thing I'm doing during the day. So I'm trying to just, work every angle I can.
0: So you're telling me that you actually pitch these sponsors yourself and your manager oh, yeah. doesn't really do it for you? <laughs> yeah.
1: He, well, he does his part for you. Right, sure. right, right. But I'm it's
0: saying, what, like, you actually slide in the DMs yourself and, like, pitch I, Oh, yourself. yeah,
1: I'm sliding in so many companies' DMs over here. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's interesting. I didn't know that you do that yourself.
1: Oh, yeah, I do that all myself. Every single day I do it. And even... I, during the days like I'm racing and stuff like I'll even have my mom start sending them for me just because I'm, I won't be on my phone while I'm at the track yeah. uh, racing but I just I'm constantly looking for stuff that's going to better my future better my career and my manager does an amazing job of uh, working he kind of does the I kind of do the surface level stuff of introducing the concept because right. it's hard for sponsors to kind of take take a call from someone who's You can say you're a manager and stuff, but people don't know what level you're on. They Mm -hmm. don't know how good you are. He's your client. You're getting it from the source. Yeah, I I break the ice and I send it over.
0: (laughs) That's right. Um, So you've reiterated repeatedly, Haley, that there's no rushing this process. We kind of talked about that a little bit earlier. Could you possibly lay out a possible timeline for us in terms of what you, in a perfect world, and we know that it's not perfect, would envision your next maybe five or so years in the NASCAR world being?
1: So if I had the perfect scenario, and me and my dad have talked about this a lot because we're always talking about my future career and Mm -hmm. stuff. Uh, We've talked about, okay, if we had the budget to do what we want, my envision would be, okay, this year, full-time ARCA, maybe a few truck races by the end of the year because I obviously want to get, I want to know what I'm getting into in the truck series before Mm -hmm. I move there that's why i want to do a few races this year and if i'm not able to do a few races all that's going to do is kind of put back the plan which this is kind of the dream plan not exactly the set plan right so the dream scenario would be a few truck races if more funding comes later in the year uh kind of get that little seat time in the truck uh to get comfortable the year after full-time trucks i'd say two years full-time in the truck series and then by the end of the second year maybe hit in the xfinity series uh and then depending on how I feel I am or how the process is going, what I feel like I've learned, i say a year to two years in Xfinity and then kind of maybe move up from there. But I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know the future. I'm just kind of going off what my goal is uh, for my career.
0: And again, you're one of the only people that has a realistic mindset when it comes to this. I, did the playing it slow mindset like what you just envisioned, does that come from you or does that come from your dad? Like, wh- where does that come from?
1: I think I, from just being around the racing world, you see a lot of people get ahead of themselves. You see a lot of them set unrealistic goals. And my thing is, okay, let's set those realistic goals. Let's always have our dream goals because you always want to push yourself past your limits. whether it's training off the track, whether it's what you want for your lifestyle, whether it's your career, whatever you're trying to do, you want to make your goals to always push yourself, but not get too ahead of yourself to where, okay, if you don't reach them, you don't want to be disappointed. You don't, because racing mentally takes a toll on you and it's a physical toll. Not just the racing part is physical, but it's off the track traveling. I fly five hours to every single race when I'm doing these tests and stuff and you got to fly there. You got to kind of get your, and I'm trying to get bigger into the health scene, health scene just because I want to do what's right for my body to be the best possible person I can. And so I'm trying, I go these racetracks, literally me and my dad, every single time we've been flying Daytona, which has been four times already in the last like month or two. Yeah. Uh, first thing we do, it could be midnight. We go to the grocery store, kind of get like our healthy food, get everything ready. I have all my supplements inside the motorhome already we have in Daytona. Literally our motorhomes parked at Daytona for the last two months. <laughs> And so I have everything there I need. (laughs) And so I'm trying to just, I'm trying to figure out my system of, okay, what can I do to make everything happen at the best possible way in the best possible scenario? And so it's it's constantly taking a toll on me when you're gone weeks at a time, flying. I'll literally be in three, four different states in the matter of a week. And so that that takes a toll on you also.
0: That was one of the questions I had written down. I mean, you've been going back and forth between Charlotte, Daytona, California other places for sponsor events. I mean we we know last year the grind of the K&N schedule but it was a little bit easier for you since you were based out on the West Coast for most of the season. But I mean like are you sleeping? Like how like how tired are you?
1: <laughs> I've managed to train myself this past year to live off about 4 or 5 hours of sleep. That's, and I know that that's it's not healthy. the best scenario, but that's what I I've always been a person that stays up really late and I'm fine with getting up early. Literally, I get up early, I take my pre-workout, and I'm ready to go at 6 a.m. to the gym. So that's something that I've had to train myself to do just because I know I need to maximize everything I can get out of my day, (laughs) hours-wise.
0: You're a maniac, you know that? (laughs) I know. (laughs) All right, a couple more for it, and then I'll I'll let you off the hook. You've you've already run a race with DGR last season at Bristol. Um, How have you adjusted to them this time now knowing that you're going to be with them for a full season and this is going to be in it for the long haul not just a one-off like last year How have you adjusted so far
1: it's been really good i think it was good doing that race last year because it was kind of the icebreaker of okay because the crew chief the crew guys they don't know my driving style they don't know what they're setting the car up for they could i could be a driver that loves driving a tight car and then all of a sudden the car gets loose and i could wreck but i'm kind of the opposite side i love the car when it's loose and when the cars loose is usually when it's fast. So I think they're kind of seeing my driving style and seeing how they're going to set up the cars for that. And so it was really good doing that kind of icebreaker race. Um, so they could, I could feel everything. I could feel how everyone that's working there, how comfortable I am, how it was working with Dave and I, and I loved it. It was amazing. And now going to the race shop, I'm super comfortable with everyone. My crew, all my crew guys over there, I'm getting super close with them. Um, my new crew chief, uh, car chief engineer, it's just a matter of us building these relationships, and when you're closer with your crew guys and everything, it makes the process so much easier.
0: Good things come in time, and it seems like you uh, you got a good Always. you got a good group around you. All right, I'm going to throw some mm-hmm. stats at you. You ready? Okay. All right. Last year was clearly the best year of your career, a short one at that. Two wins, eight top fives, eleven top tens in 14 races on the K&N West side, and in your six ARCA races, you had four top tens and a top five. So that leads me to this question. It's a cliche question, but I want to know what your realistic expectations are for this 2020 season in ARCA. I mean, how how will you judge success?
1: (laughs) So I actually just wrote down all my goals and everything. So once I did the ARCA test, I was like, okay, got a good grasp of what the competition's like, how my car is, how my team is, kind of where my placement is. Because you have to figure out where, where you kind of belong and where... You're sitting in the series with your competitor. Wise, I'm pulling it up right now in my notes. Um, Arca goals. <laughs> it's, it's a very famous okay.
0: list. We remember when you won at Meridian. You you checked off that last one on your list.
1: Yeah, uh huh. So Arca goals is finish Daytona in the top three uh, through top five. Obviously, I want to win, but you have to make those goals to where you can accomplish them. Uh, qualify in the top three, finish top. These are all like my goals for the rest of the season. Right. So qualify top three, finish top three, qualify on the pole. Win a short track race, win a mile and a half or a longer race. And then I got a big kind of in bold is bond with the crew guys because I know how crucial that is. Yep. Um, taking notes at to every race and start adding up more info about the setup and car changes and what it does. And so that's something that I really, this year I want to take charge more is learning these cars, learning what the adjustments, every single adjustment does. And whether that's being at the shop more, seeing the crew guys work on it, uh, and I think that comes with having that bond with the crew guys is them opening up to you and be willing to teach you everything that you need to know.
0: Well, I think between you sliding in sponsor DMs to pitch them ideas and writing notes after every race, your screen time is going to be off the charts this year.
1: Uh, yeah, it's already about nine and a half, uh, nine and a half hours. Again,
0: you're a day. maniac. We know this.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I've, I'm trying to stay off my phone a little <laughs> bit more, but stay on it when I need to. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, Well, we're recording this on Friday afternoon. When are you heading down to Daytona again?
1: So I'm heading down to Daytona. I actually fly to North Carolina on Monday at 6 a.m. So 6 a.m. flight out of San Diego means I have to leave my house around 3 Mm a.m. So I'm going to fly to Charlotte, and then I have some media stuff I have to do on Tuesday. So I'll have to get up early, drive. So I actually live not in Charlotte. I live about an hour and a half from Mooresville. Got it. And that's where my race team is, and where I train is in Concord, um, like the workout side training. Mm-hmm. And so I have to drive an hour and a half like for those 8 a.m. workouts and stuff. And so it's constantly – it takes a toll on you a little bit, but I've gotten used to it. So I think going back there, I have to do some media stuff. And I think I drive – we're going to end up driving um, our new car that we got from Ford. Um, I got an Expedition, so we're all yeah. going to pack our stuff in there. Um, they kind of gave me like a loader vehicle in the meantime before I get uh, the cars that I'm trying to order. Take a little road <laughs> trip so, down to Daytona? Yeah, so we're going to road trip down to Daytona. We still haven't figured out how we're getting the car back because we're flying straight out of Daytona. So I might need to hit up to someone to see if they want to road trip my car back. But we're going to end up driving down there Thursday because I know I have some media stuff uh, on Thursday. Um, but then I think Friday is when everything starts.
0: Cool. Well, I will see you Thursday then because I'll be heading down there yeah. then. Um, a couple yeah. more fun questions before I let you go. So we were talking before. Uh, I guess you're a hairstylist now. You were dying your brother's hair uh, yesterday.
1: I guess I am. I mean, I used to always, Hayden's super cool. He, lets me, like, he likes being out there a little bit with his kind of style. We can <laughs> Not necessarily, tell. necessarily, like, trendy, but he just likes being different. And so I find it funny. Like, my little brother Hudson, he's nine years old, and he's like, can we bleach my hair? And he's like, I want to do it, cheetah. And I'm like, oh, my God, Hudson, we can't do that. What does mom (laughs) think about that? uh, Mom, we usually do it when she's not home. (laughs) Wise move. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she came home yesterday, and she's like, why the hell is there green (laughs) hair dye everywhere? And why are your hands with, like, Shrek? And I was like, don't worry about it. Like, it'll look good after. And Hayden's like, Hayden, my little brother, he's 14. He's in love with Billie Eilish or Eilish, whatever it is, like, in love with her. And so he's like, I want to dye my hair like her. And I was like, Hayden, I don't know how to do that. We can oh, try. Man. And so we're like, you know what? We're going to make a video of this for the YouTube channel. Because that's also like people are, people sometimes get, it's pro and con deal. They're like, you're too into videoing stuff like that. And you're, you need to not stop focusing on that type of stuff. But that's another avenue of. Um, financial money that comes in to pay for my racing. That's yep. an avenue that helps me out because even if I get, have sponsors that pay for the racing racing side, I still have to live. I still have to eat. Like I still have to travel these races because Preach. it's not like... And so there's different things like rental cars, hotels, all those things mm-hmm. don't usually come into deals. So those are other resources I have to find avenues to do.
0: We had our boy Tyler videoing it all, didn't we?
1: Oh yeah, we had We have Tyler... Literally, he is with us from, I think, 10 a.m. after I got done working out to about 11 o'clock at night
0: oh, yeah. videoing. Oh, yeah. Tyler's one of, like, the most Cali bro Cali bros I've ever met in my life.
1: He's so Cali. He really so is. It's so funny.
0: I know, especially me being in D.C. It's just, like, a culture shock whenever I talk with him. I'm like, jeez, so, so different.
1: Oh, it's, it's a culture insane. shock me going to North Carolina. <laughs> well, it's all
0: right. We, we we balance each other out that way. It's all good.
1: Yeah, it's okay.
0: All right. Well, Haley, you've already given me too much time. I thank you for that. It was great okay. catching up. Um, I'll see you here in a couple of days down in Daytona. And once again, thanks for being on with me.
1: Yeah, no problem.
0: There you have it. Haley Deegan of DGR Crosley and Ford Performance Arkham Menard Series competitor. Hope you enjoyed our conversation. Like I said, she's she's always a joy to talk to, always has a has a great mindset about her and a great spirit, so hopefully we'll have her on some more. And, Looking forward to saying what's up in Daytona. Speaking of Daytona, we have a race to preview, everybody. Hallelujah. The Bush Clash is back and better than ever at Daytona International Speedway. This Sunday, 18 drivers in the field. How do you get in to participate in this event? Well, I'm glad you asked. You can either be a 2019 poll winner, a former Clash winner who competed full-time the previous year, a former Daytona 500 winner who competed full-time the previous year, a former Daytona 500 pole winner who competed full-time the previous year, or if you were in the playoffs last year. So I'll go through that one more time. If you've won the clash, you've won the Daytona 500, you've won a Daytona 500 pole, and you competed full-time for all of those things, or if you were in the playoffs last year, you're in. You're good to go. So there's 18 drivers in the field. Goes green on Sunday afternoon, I believe around 2.30 Eastern time. Fox or Fox Sports 1 will have the coverage for you on that. And guess what? Your boys going to be watching some of, if not all of that race in person. Heading down to Daytona Beach and New Smyrna tomorrow, bright and early in the morning. Doing some coverage for, I don't think it's NASCAR home tracks anymore. It's NASCAR Roots, apparently, with Arca Menards. It's going to be covering the ARCA race at Daytona, the ARCA East race at New Smyrna, and all, I believe, eight or nine nights. It's the 54th annual World Series of Stock Car Racing at New Smyrna Speedway. I'm going to have to get used to saying that. That's kind of a mouthful. Bottom line is, I'll be at Daytona tomorrow. By the time you're listening to this, I'm probably in the state of Florida, probably in Daytona. Uh, And if you've gotten this far, thank you. I appreciate you. So I'm really looking forward to that. I'll be there for the duration of Speed Weeks. I'll be chilling at New Smyrna pretty much every single night besides the Daytona 500 because the World Series is over. So if you're there, come say what's up. I won't be there for the duels at the big track or the truck race or the end of the Xfinity race. But, man, I am excited to get down there. Let's go. When's my flight? Look, nuts of the week. Key the music. Fire Alarm Services and Speedy Cash have extended their relationship with John Hunter Nemechek for 2020. Sirius XM is back with Martin Truex Jr. They will be a primary for five races. They've been with him for a few years now. Christopher Bell got married to Morgan kemmanah I think that's how you pronounce her last name, on Super Bowl Sunday, but I guess now she's Morgan Bell. So congratulations to the newlyweds. Brennan Poole will be sponsored by Spartan Mosquito for 17 races with Premium Motorsports. What? Didn't know that was a thing. AJ Allmendinger will run eight events for Colleg Racing in the Xfinity Series this season. Good to see him dipping his toe back in there and hopefully get into victory lane a couple times. Gear Wrench is going to be the primary on Kurt Busch's number one Chevy Camaro for four races. Cook Industries is going to be the primary with Ryan Newman for Speed Weeks at Daytona. And Alex Bowman's sponsorship model was announced. It's going to be Chevrolet Accessories Partners Adams Polishes, NoCo, and Truck Hero. So they're all going to be primary sponsors on the 88 car for not one, not two, 26 races. It was previously nationwide, but they said peace out. So now there was a void to fill. And this is a perfect example of Rick Hendrick saying, hey, you want some B2B? I'll give you some B2B. I'll put your products at my dealerships. And in turn, you put your products on my race cars. And I think that's working out pretty well for him. This is a pretty cool story. Clay Greenfield is getting Jeff Hammond, a two-time cup champion, as a crew chief in the number 68 truck. That's pretty cool. NASCAR is shortening the final stage for all cup races, making the first two a little bit longer. Kurt Busch is giving away 100 tickets to every race to military members. That's awesome, awesome stuff from Kurt. John Ray, who drove the patriotic big rig at Talladega, unfortunately passed away at the age of 82 years old. Last week, thoughts and prayers and condolences sent out to everybody out in Talladega. Chad Canals and his wife, Brooke, are expecting their second child. Congratulations to them. I know I'm rushing through these because there's a bunch. Kyle Busch, he had his first Rolex 24 at Daytona experience, and it went pretty well. Wayne Taylor Racing won the overall event. Love's Travel Stops is returning with Michael McDowell in a limited schedule this season tony stewart sprint car racing that is going to be a video game and it's going to be launched february 14th happy valentine's day on xbox and playstation 4 that's pretty sweet e nascar is now the e nascar coca-cola iRacing series instead of peak antifreeze they have a new name for their 11th season of competition ryan truex will make six starts in the number 40 truck Neus motorsports this year on a part-time basis nbc sports gold's track pass their details were announced this week all arca menard series races will be live on that subscription service the modifieds will also have a big big presence there too i have my membership why don't you go get yours the hall of fame made some announcements on wednesday they are changing the voting process which i'm a fan of so now it's going to be a modern era ballot and a pioneer ballot There's going to be 10 on the modern, 5 on the pioneer, 5 and 10 people, that is. And then they're going to elect two people from the modern era ballot and one from the pioneer ballot. The only kicker is they have to be within 60 years. So let's say this year you'd be on the modern ballot if you competed from 1960 to 2020. But if you competed before that, then you'd be on the Pioneer ballot. So it doesn't have to be 60 years from now. It has to be 60 years from whatever year they're inducting drivers. So I'm I'm a big fan of that because I've had a a pretty major beef with the Hall of Fame and how they induct people because at this rate, we're going to be inducting. I saw somebody tweet you're going to induct Ryan Blaney before he's done racing in the Cup Series when he's like 32 years old. So I'm glad they switched up something. There's a lot of next-gen car testing dates that were revealed And what I can take away from this, the ball has begun rolling a little bit faster. I'm going to tell you every test and where they are. Auto Club, Atlanta, Bristol, Dover, Charlotte, Vegas. Open test at Charlotte on the Oval. Tire test at Richmond. Open test at Charlotte again. Texas, open test at Charlotte again. Tire test at Daytona. Open test at the Roval. Dover, open test at the Roval tire test at Martinsville, open test at the Roval, Las Vegas, open test at Charlotte, open test at Charlotte, and then an organizational test in the offseason at Phoenix. There's going to be a lot of moving parts and pieces throughout the year. I'm going to write a piece for Front Stretch on this uh, later on in the year, but this is pretty much a lame duck year for NASCAR and the sport in general. Because we know what's coming down the pipeline, and it's big. But we needed to hit in order for this sport to maintain its viableness in the landscape. Clint Boyer turned the hell up for his Kansas City Chiefs this past weekend. Chiefs Kingdom, how about that? Congratulations on your Super Bowl championship. And uh, kind of sad news. Not kind of, very sad news. Just difficult to transition here. But I'd be remiss if I didn't touch on some of the unfortunate news that's come down. In the last couple weeks, um, John Andretti passed away after a battle with colon cancer in the motorsports world. He was, I don't know if I should say legendary, but I mean, he did a lot of stuff and he drove a lot of different things. He was revered by everybody. I mean, he was a heck of a driver, but man, like everybody. And I mean, everybody said that he was just the nicest guy. So rest in peace to him and thoughts and prayers to the Andretti family. And of course, the passing of Kobe and Gianna Bryan, as well as the seven other people that were in that helicopter in Calabasas, California that, that hit me pretty hard. I was actually at capital one arena in DC at monster jam with my girlfriend and my best friend, PJ texted me and he's like, Kobe Bryant just died. And I was, I was in utter shock and I just kept checking the TMZ article and it wasn't loading. And then I waited for Woj from ESPN to confirm it. And he did. And it was just, I was in shock pretty much the the rest of the day and the next couple days. And, I mean, it's crazy because, you know, it's cliche to say, but as as everybody has been saying, it's crazy the impact that somebody you have never met and that probably definitely does not know that you exist. It's crazy the type of impact that somebody like that can have on your life. So rest in peace to Mr. John Andretti. Rest in peace to Mr. Kobe Bryant. Rest in peace to Miss Gianna Bryant and all other victims that were in that helicopter crash in Calabasas, California last week. Rest in peace. I know that was a somber note. I'm sorry. I'm usually not a somber guy, but I felt like I, I needed to address that. But that'll wrap things up for episode 40, the Sterling Marlin edition of Victory Lane 2.0. Do me a favor. Please rate, review, subscribe to this podcast. Where are we at, you ask? I will tell you. iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud. Pretty much wherever you want to get a podcast, we're most likely there. So do me a favor, leave us a rating and a review because that's how we gain a little bit more visibility. And I don't really know why I say we, but it's just me doing everything. You know what? No, it is we because you're in this together with me. It's we. W-E. We. Talk to you guys next week from Daytona. Peace and love.